Today, we are talking about the historic events that happened on January 6th, 2021. The U.S. Capitol insurrection that happened this past week will not only be a day Americans remember forever, but also a very, very polarizing one. Professor Levin, would you consider this event an act of domestic terrorism? And if so, why? Great question. I think the D.C. event was many things, but let's stick to answering your question. We don't have a broadly applicable domestic terrorism statute, but interestingly enough, terrorism is defined by law and also by the FBI. And it it really discusses the use of force, threat, or intimidation to intimidate a population, government, or subgroup for a political purpose. And, you know, heck, uh, that looks like terrorism. But, you know, it also matches our insurrection laws as well. And one of the parts of the insurrection laws relate to delaying the execution of government activity or authority. So I think you have that too. So (laughs) I think you have extremism, terrorism, insurrection, all rolled into one. Yeah, you briefly mentioned um, the laws and we saw symbols such as the Confederate flag, nooses and other hate symbols circulating the Capitol. Are there, you know, any laws, if you could go in a little bit more depth, this is surely terrorizing to many Americans. Great point. The use of an actual symbol, just in and of itself, other than something that independently would be taken as a threat. Let me give you an example. Really interesting. A noose is a threat under the law. A swastika is not. However, if a swastika has something contextually, uh, for instance, there was an assailant some years ago that sent swastikas out. Some said died you, some didn't. The ones that said died you could be prosecuted, the ones that didn't couldn't. So hate speech in the United States because of uh, uh, some Supreme Court decisions is constitutionally protected. However, just because you're allowed to say bigoted things doesn't mean you're allowed to threaten people. Uh, Other countries like Canada and in Europe, the hate speech laws are actually more robust, but here they're constitutionally prohibited because of a case called RAV versus St. Paul, where the criminality of a cross burning in that law in Minnesota was determined by the direction of the hatred as opposed to whether or not it was a threat. So later on, the Supreme Court said, if something's already a crime and someone is intentionally selected because they're gay, because of their race or something else, that can be punished and even punished more severely. But merely just saying something uh, in a public place Uh, is constitutionally protected. That being said, don't say some stuff at the workplace. If you create a hostile work environment, you could be sued. Or if you're an employee, you could be fired. Right. And you mentioned um, the presence of the swastika. Can you talk a little bit about the anti-Semitic displays at the Capitol? Was that protected or can that be punished? Anti-Semitic displays uh, are totally protected unless it's connected to a predicate criminal offense. So in in other words, if I say I hate Jews, that is protected. 
However, if I say, hey, would you like to conspire with me to beat up Jews, that can be punished. So you have to really have a criminal predicate. Also, that kind of speech can be used to show your motive for the crime, and you can get an enhanced penalty if it can be showed that you intentionally selected a crime victim because of the group they're in. Doesn't even have to be a racial group. Traditionally, our crimes have said, if you hurt a young person, for instance, or an elderly person, but bottom line is, if you intentionally select a victim for a crime, that can be punished more because of the group they're in. But if you just say something that you don't like someone, that is protected unless it's a threat or it's repetitive. In other words, like a stalking or a harassment kind of statute. So the, the, the mere expression of bigotry is protected in a public forum like a park. However, if you say it at work, you can get fired. If you create a hostile work environment near the company, you can get sued. And if you use it as part of a criminal activity, those words, while protected, can be used to show what your motive was. Okay, and that brings me to my next question. Is it harder to prosecute Americans for what happened than it were to be if the instigators were foreign insurgents? It would be harder to prosecute the Americans involved because we do not have a broadly applicable terrorism statute, which may not be a bad thing. If someone is affiliated with a foreign terrorist organization or they provide material aid or comfort to that group, <clears throat> that can be prosecuted. But that being said, there are so many laws that can be thrown at these folks. Being in a restricted building, for instance, is a federal offense. Uh, taking property is a federal offense. Interfering with uh, federal police is a federal offense. And insurrection, interfering with the execution of laws or the process of government is a felony too. So you know what, we have a lot of statutes. What I think we do need uh, are uh, a statute like maybe uh, Senator Durbin's, which uh, will make that we have uh, products, documents, where we, we understand what's going on and there's some kind of creation of um, uh, units that for instance, may look at white supremacy, for instance. We need more bureaucratic assistance with regard to this global threat of white supremacy, but it's also tied in to a lot of other militancies. So we, we need the bureaucracy to change a bit. We need more personnel. We need some alacrity with regard to how these folks do investigations, but also a recognition that civil liberties have to be protected, particularly because Americans here in the United States have greater protections, for instance, with, with their communications and their right to expression than, for instance, someone who's uh, overseas and working for a, a designated terrorist group as designated by the State Department because there's a statutory hook that applies to that. But I think it's a good thing. We don't want people who are firebrands being investigated. There has to be a criminal predicate. Thank you for that. We did see breaking news this morning that the House Democrats have drafted a impeachment document charging President Donald Trump with incitement of insurrection. Can you provide a little bit of analysis on this, um, especially pertaining to the 14th Amendment that is cited? Well, well, the, the 14th Amendment was, was mostly about 
equal protection of the laws and citizenship for newly freed slaves. But there's a section in there that discusses the insurrection by, by folks who participated in the Civil War. So that's how far it's going back. And it's taking an interesting part of the 14th Amendment that usually doesn't get focused on a lot. And these folks, you know, uh, there was debate as to whether or not people who participated in the Confederacy, what kind of rights they would have, could they serve in office again and things like that. So um, the fact that an insurrection is being used in impeachment is something that's very interesting. Hey, can I tell you one other quick thing? We oftentimes see a spike in hate crimes and violence around catalytic of political events like elections or impeachments. Give you an example. The day after election day 2016 was the worst day for hate crime going back to 2003. And you know what else? There was an interdicted plot to blow up a predominantly Muslim apartment complex in Kansas scheduled for the same day. So the worst day for hate crime in 2019 was the day after Speaker Pelosi announced that indeed she was going forward with impeachment proceedings. So it's not only something of historic note, but for people like us who are in the extremism and hate crime monitoring community, it's a day where we're kind of like on the lookout. Yeah, and going off of that point, what do you make of the lack of police presence from the get-go of the attacks on Wednesday? I find it interesting that that particular day, it was known that crowds would be gathering to protest the certification of electoral votes. Uh, it represents a, a failure with regard to the dissemination of intelligence, because the intelligence was there. Our, our, our head research guy was on top of this, you know, uh, MSNBC, uh, ADL, a whole bunch of groups were, were, were looking at the kind of change in invective and also the specific date, uh, date and location. Remember, this comes at a time when we've had a long string of talk about civil war and the purge and things like that. And when would a first salvo be? We even saw some QAnon folks show up from Virginia to Pennsylvania around election time uh, with with weapons going interstate. But the bottom line is this was something that was so uh, forecast by by the, the, the words of the extremists themselves that this really resulted, I think, from a leadership failure at the top of, of law enforcement um, at, at the U.S. Capitol Police, who were very professional, by the way, um, interdicted a threat on me, by the way. Um, but they were not able to mobilize effectively, both with regard to the actual architecture around the perimeter security and fencing, but also with respect to how their officers were equipped, uh, what numbers they had. And I know they've been affected by COVID as well, but then having some sort of mutual aid in advance. And remember as well, you don't have to have it as a big show. You can have people a few blocks away ready to mobilize. But clearly, it was a, a failure with regard to the dissemination of intelligence to the people who needed it most. And, and, and also, I got to say, those, those Capitol Police officers, for the most part, acted quite heroically. And we'll, we'll, we'll see everything in an after-action report, which I can assure you will be, will be done and highly analyzed. Right, right. Thank you for that. And my last question is a projection into the future what about leading up to Inauguration Day? It seems like there could be another possible opportunity for demonstration like we saw last week. Do you think that we could see more hateful acts and violence? I certainly think we, we could based on what we've seen in the past. What's interesting about this time around is 
we've seen kind of stop, go, stop, go. I think we're in a go period. And what I mean is for the followers of, of the militant conspiratorial followers of the president who, who are steeled for violence, uh, they thought that there was a chance. They thought maybe, you know, one state's returns might come in a little later or a court would, would, would side with them. So the, the can was kind of kicked down the road. And I think we're in the middle of that, that period. But you know what? Don't worry about what I think. Various news outlets are reporting today that the FBI has sent out a bulletin warning about violence during this period, uh, not just with respect to D.C., but, but really all state capitals. And I think that's, that's appropriate. We're seeing an increase in threats against public officials. And interestingly, it started off with state and local and public health folks. Uh, and it not just went to their workplaces, but it went to their homes. So we're kind of looking at that as well. And we would suggest that high public officials, um, particularly at the state level, um, reassess uh, security, both personal and perimeter and state capitals should also reassess uh, not only their perimeter security, but also uh, laws relating to who's allowed to have armaments in the vicinity of state capitals, not just in the buildings. Is there anything else you would like to add, Professor Levin, to the end of our interview? Yeah, here in California, uh, there have been protests, regular ones at the governor's uh, residence, and there have been regular protests around the capital, but that capital is is, is pretty well fenced in, but we've still seen protests around it. So, uh, you know, we, we have a, uh, an advisory out uh, nationwide about this as well. And we've been talking about it through the press, but I think the FBI is one is one that folks should listen to more. But uh, bottom line is I would also keep that, uh, I would extend that risk time to at least the 21st. Because one of the things we've consistently seen is stuff doesn't always go around a particular day. It, it sometimes uh, blows up the day after. So uh, we'd be on the lookout uh, just for, uh, for unusual activity uh, through at least the 21st. Well, thank you so much, Professor, for all of your insights. I really appreciated our conversation. Thank you, Ms. Goldberg.